We're in this series called If Only, and uh, personally for me, this has been a real eye-opening series because depending on really where you are in your journey, uh, journey with God, and it could be that you're just even wondering like what that's all about, but there's this part of us that consistently looks for this fulfillment um, in our very heart and our soul. The very first week I talked about this God-shaped void in our lives and we try to fill it with all kinds of things. And here's the crazy thing, even when you come to know God and you know that he is your fulfillment and your everything, there is still the temptation to kind of find life and to find fulfillment and satisfaction in other things. And, and so far in the series, we've looked at trying to fill that void with, with relationships, we've tried to fill it with, with stuff. Last week we looked at pleasure, you know, what that looks like, and that could be work and career. It could get into negative things like drugs and alcohol, um, sex and entertainment and shopping and social media. We, try, we just try to fill this void in all these different ways in our life, and we end up in this place of emptiness. And as we've been looking at all of these things, we've, we've been going back to the Old Testament, to this book of Ecclesiastes, um, which was written by King Solomon. It was really his, his journal as he was on this search. And he knew God, but he kept trying to, it's like, ah, there's still something else, something else. And so he talks about building things and acquiring things and relationships. I mean, he just tried to fill it with all of this stuff. And at the end of each of his kind of journeys into fulfillment, he would come up with this phrase, he said, it's like chasing the wind. It just was, was futile and, and empty. But just like him, we come to the end of all of our chasing the wind, and we realize what he realized all along too, that there was something there that was foundational, it was God himself. And that he realized that his heart and his soul was longing for God to be the one and only that filled all of his needs for contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment. And you know what, the same is true for us today. We find all that we're looking for in Jesus. But in this journey, we still, it's like, well, that's good, and then we want something a little bit more. So this series is about us coming back to what really matters. So today we're gonna to look at one more if only that we, we seem to chase to, to fill something in us, and it's this idea of if I only had success. Because maybe success, not about things and all that, but, but maybe success, like this personal fulfillment will, will, will do it all for me, at least maybe give me the opportunities or position me to attain what I, what I desire the most. And the challenging thing is we view success in a lot of different ways. Maybe the simplest kind of baseline kind of thing is success is maybe just attaining the next step down the road, right? So something further than where we've been. And so it can be really simple. So maybe success for you was just getting out of bed this morning. And you got out of bed and it was like, woo, success. You know, you're, you're riding high just because simply you got out. Now, it's not as meaningful at the 11 o'clock service. At the 8 a.m. service, man, they were like, yeah, we're, we got you, right? It's, but that can be success. If you're a student, maybe it's getting a C on a test that you were fully expecting to get a D or maybe even flunk on. So it feels like, man, success, because I didn't go there. I took the next step. Maybe, maybe for you, being here today is 
a step of success just getting to where God can do his work in you. And I know that can happen anywhere, but we tie it to this. And maybe there's some things going on in your life, and maybe success is tomorrow night, Monday night, walking through the doors of our North Building to be a part of Celebrate Recovery, because you've been wrestling with some recovery issues and some challenges in your life, and it just seems like the biggest obstacle in the world to walk through that door. Maybe success is crossing that threshold. I had some, someone come up to me after the last service, never been here before, and they said, tell me about Celebrate Recovery. They're gonna be there tomorrow night. And that's, that's success. And sometimes it's just the, the stupidest little things that we just kind of go, yes. You know, it's, it's getting the cart at Walmart that goes straight rather than sideways, right? And just saying, man, if I could just get that, there's a little bit of success in that. Little things. But the truth is, is that in our culture, we see success on a much higher plane. Success is those who have risen to the top of, you know, politics or business or, or sports or entertainment or something. And we see that, and maybe it's because they have certain kinds of possessions or certain kinds of power. And so we see those things and we go, well, well that must be success. But how often have we seen people get to those levels and we see it as success? We're looking kind of from, from this place up and we go, man, look what they've done, look at all that. But how many times have we seen things like sexual harassment or inappropriate relationships or, or financial like struggles and ruins and scandals and all those kinds of things? And just like that, everything that was built just suddenly counts for nothing. I mean, we've all seen it time and time again. And unfortunately, we've even seen it in the church world. So our tendency is to put success in that kind of a format, prosperity and power and the highest of goals. But here's the question for us. What does God say about success? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, Getting ahead in your job and uh, you know, achieving positions of, of influence and everything, there's nothing wrong with that. Just like there's nothing wrong with having things or having relationships or experiencing pleasure like we've talked about. The problem is, is that when we see them as our source of satisfaction and contentment and fulfillment, that if I could just get that, everything would fall into place. And that's where we go off the rails. That's where things begin to shift and change. So the question then that we come back to is what does God say about this? Because the Bible actually uses the word success. And I will tell you, it's not about what you've bought. It's not kind of the, pow the power or position you have. It's about something far richer and far deeper. So here's, here's what God tells us. He says success is fulfilling his purpose for your life. Not about what you get. Success, in God's eyes, is fulfilling his purpose for your life. And the Bible is very clear that our purpose is to honor and glorify him with all that we are and all that we have. And when we begin to understand true success the way God views it, it's gonna, it's gonna really kinda infiltrate our life right here and now, not just a someday, but how we live in this moment. So I want to give you several things today. We don't have a whole lot of time, but I want you to write these down. The first is this. Godly success begins with my obedience. Godly success begins with my obedience. 
Now I'm gonna tell you, if you watch religious television, and I'm not encouraging that, I'm just saying if you watch religious television, you may hear from some preachers out there a very different message about uh, success and about attaining things and about getting that and, and whatever. I'm just gonna tell you, what we're gonna look at today is what the Bible tells us about what true success is. And it begins with obedience. And in the book of Deuteronomy, here's what it says. What does the Lord, your God, require of you? What's God asking from you? What is he looking for in you? Here's what it says. He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and that you love him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Jesus almost exactly echoed these words. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And if success is fulfilling God's purpose for my life, then it begins as I walk in his ways. As I follow him and trust him and live open-handed with him. Because as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, we're gonna grow in our understanding of him. And as we grow and mature in our understanding of him, we will naturally begin, or maybe not naturally, but we begin to, to live in this way of saying, I choose to live in his ways, to, to walk in obedience. And it's not just doing these things for him, but he invites us to do this with him. And that's what's powerful. And as we walk in obedience, there are things that, that come as a result of the obedience. It's like the fruit of that or the consequences. We usually see that negatively, but there are good consequences, good things that follow as we walk in obedience. And on your sheet, you're gonna see a bunch of things listed there. And I'm gonna go through these pretty quickly, but these come as a result and they kind of cascade one to the other. So as we walk in obedience, here's what happens. You'll begin to develop a closer relationship with Jesus. Write that down. A closer relationship with Jesus. This is where it moves beyond just knowledge and what we know, knowing facts about God, to actually knowing him heart to heart, soul to soul. He's inviting us into that kind of a relationship. Now, as that relationship develops, just like our regular you know, human-to-human -human relationships, when those grow deeper, what happens? Communication gets enhanced. And so, write this down for number two. As you walk in obedience, you're gonna gain a richer prayer life. Why? Because it's coming out of relationship. Not just out of some things that we know, but something that we experience. Now, as our communication and prayer life develops and grows and flourishes, you get to the number three. You'll begin to see things from God's perspective. Write that down, God's perspective. And as I begin to see things from his perspective, guess what happens? I have this broader view of what's happening around me. I may not know all the details, but rather than freaking out, which we're really prone to do, we go, you know what? God's at work in this. You've heard me say it over and over, nothing is wasted. God wants to use it all for his kingdom and his glory and also for developing and maturing and growing us. Nothing's wasted. Even the hard things, maybe especially the hard things. So when I begin to see things from his perspective, I get to develop more patience to wait on his timing because I know that God's at work in this. I can't see it all, I don't know it all, but God's at work so I can trust 
and be patient with his timing. There's a phrase that, that we heard long ago, Gina and I, and we use it a lot, but this whole idea of his will, his way, his time. And we're still learning it, we haven't perfected it, we, we say it frequently because we're reminding ourselves that God has a will and that he's working it out in his way and in his time. And it's this open-handed trust of what he's doing. Now when I begin to see his timing and his will and his way at work and trust that, it brings us to the next one, that when we face adversity, we find uh, stability. So you'll be more stable. Now what does that mean? Well, Jesus gave this example. He said, those who hear these words of mine that Jesus was speaking and choose to obey them and follow after them, they're like a person who's built their house on a rock and when the storms come and the rains come and the waves hit, that house is gonna stand firm because they've put their, their life on the foundation of me. He says, but if you hear these words of mine, but choose to neglect them and just walk away and go, I'm gonna do it my own way. You're like a man who's built his house on the sand and when the storms come, not if, when they come and the rains come and the waves hit, the house is gonna fall apart. So when we begin to see these things that come out of obedience, a deeper relationship, an enriched prayer life, we begin to understand his heart and his perspective, a new understanding of his will and his timing in this, there's this foundation that we're building on that will see us through even when things get crazy. And then the last one is this, you'll have a bigger impact on others. Because I guarantee you, when you begin to walk in obedience and faith, and this walk with Jesus begins to develop, the people around you are gonna go, what is it that you have? What is it that's going on there? And you can tell them, man, it's all about Jesus. And that's where success begins, walking with Jesus. Write this down for number two. Being successful means being a servant, a servant. There are all kinds of scripture, especially through the New Testament, all about what it means to be a servant. And we talk about it a lot here at New Life, the importance of taking that step, that it's not just about you, it's about the overflow of what God is doing that benefits and impacts other people. Jesus even talked about himself being a servant. He said this in Mark 10, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served by giving his life, by offering forgiveness, by performing miracles, giving hope to the hopeless, even washing the feet of the disciple. He did that. And I'll tell you what, all those things, which could seem in some ways like failure, right? He's arrested, he's, he's crucified, all these things happen. He washes the feet of his followers. Shouldn't it be the other way around? We see all those things and it seems backwards. But you know what? In God's kingdom, in his economy, what Jesus showed was success. Those things were success to our Savior. Now there's another person, if you're there in Acts 6, I wanna just kind of briefly go into his life. His name is Stephen. And we don't know a whole lot about him. We don't know any history. We don't know if he was married. We don't know about his family. We don't know his background. We don't know anything except two things. He was faithful and he served. Now we know one other thing that came out of his being faithful and serving is that he ended up having his life taken from him because of his faithfulness and his serving. Here, here's what it says uh, about, about Stephen. It says, 
Uh, in back, in fear, if you're in there in Acts 6, look at verse 8. It says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Now, I, I know you might hear that and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Man, if God gave me the ability to do miracles and signs and wonders, I mean, I, I, who wouldn't be successful with gifts like that? Because here's what we say, and it's true, I'm just a regular person. Like, I, I can't do all of those things. But you know where his success started? It didn't start with miracles and signs and wonders. It started with this willingness to serve, to do what was needed, to submit himself to Jesus and for Jesus' kingdom and his call and this good news of the gospel. If you back up a few verses to, to verse two and three, it says, so the 12, the disciples, called a meeting of all the believers. Let me pause there just for a second. There was all these things going on in their community and they were feeding people because there was a lot of poverty and all that. And then guess what happened? The people that were being fed, they started complaining. It's like, hey, how come they're getting more? And you're serving them, but can you imagine people complaining? Have you ever seen anyone complain, right? I mean, here they're trying to get, so nothing's changed in thousands of years. You know, people still, we complain and we whine. And so all this was going on and the disciples were going, man, we can't handle all this. So go back, they said, we should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom and we will give them this responsibility. They knew it was a good thing, it was important, but they couldn't do everything. And you read on and you know who the first person they chose? Stephen, a man who a few verses later is performing miracles and signs and wonders for God's kingdom and God's people. A man who troubled the Jewish leaders so severely they ended up t putting him to death. But you know how he started? A food pantry. Some versions say he was literally waiting tables, extending the kingdom of God, caring for those around him. Can I tell you, that is success in the eyes of God. Being humble enough to say, Lord, I'll do anything you ask. I just wanna serve you and your kingdom. I'll begin wherever you want me. Your will, your way, your time. I'm yours, God. I will tell you personally, that's where it started for me. I was a high school student, right here in the youth group at this church, a long time ago. And I remember I just started helping with things and I remember one day our youth pastor came and said, Dave, I want you to just do this little five minute teaching. I was a sophomore, like I didn't know what I was doing. And you've heard me tell this story before. Man, I practiced and got in front of a mirror, wrote this whole thing out and got in front of our youth group, this whole youth group, six of us. <laughs> and he goes, you know, so Dave's gonna do this lesson. And I remember going, and talking nonstop for 90 seconds and I was done. Like that was it, that's all I could do. But step by step, moment by moment, God continued to invite me into the next thing and the next thing. And it started with God, here I am, use me. And then Gina and I got married and it was God, here we are, use us. It starts with the little things. Because if we're not faithful in the little things, we won't be faithful in the big things. Here's what success looks like for those who serve. Jesus told this parable, and he said this in Matthew 25, that God would say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small thing, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. Can I tell you the ultimate, ultimate success for me 
is to someday stand before God and have him say, well done, good and faithful servant. It begins with a willingness to serve. Write this down for the last one and we'll close. Being successful means being like Christ. Being like Christ. I wanna jump back just for a moment to Stephen in the book of Acts. If you turn one chapter over to chapter seven, towards the end, verse uh, 54 or so, you'll see this, this unfold that the Jewish leaders were absolutely incensed with Stephen because of what he was doing and his, his sharing the good news and performing these miracles. And so they threw all these accusations and it said he just looked up at heaven and he saw this vision unfold of Jesus standing before God at the right hand. And, all, and so he said that, he said, I see, I see Christ, I see the Son of Man standing in the heaven, I see it before me. And the people went nuts. They're like, oh, he's blaspheming, he's evil. I mean, they were literally saying, this guy is of Satan. And so they took him out and they rushed and dragged him out and they ended up executing him, stoning him in the streets. And when you read the story, it was like they were taking off their warm-up gear, they were taking off cloaks and robes and all those things. And it says that they laid all of these things at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now Stephen's only desire was to glorify Christ in life, but also in death. And he realized that there is no success in life other than giving it all for Jesus. Now to be Christ-like, you don't have to die like Christ, but Stephen's example shows us how we can bring glory to God no matter how good or how bad things get. And this young man that's just kind of mentioned in the story, that's the future apostle Paul. His name was changed. And even in Stephen's death, which the world would say, what an absolute failure. What an absolute failure. But even in death, do you realize it set the stage for the greatest unleashing of the good news of Jesus ever? True success is keeping our eyes on Jesus. To respond as Jesus would respond, to be holy as he is holy. Peter tells us that. He says, be holy in everything you do, just as God called you and chose you as holy. For the scriptures say, be holy because I am holy. And I know we hear that and think, Dave, I, holy and me doesn't go together. Like, I, how can I do that? Listen, it's a journey. But God is inviting you to trust him, to walk in obedience and faith, and to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus himself in the garden said, I, I don't know that I can do this cross thing. If it's possible, <laughs> you have another way, God, do it. But at the end, what did he say? Not my will, but yours be done. Stephen experienced it, said, not about me, it's all about you. The apostles experienced it, and guess what? You and I are invited into that as well. We will experience times that are hard, but in those times we give glory and honor to Jesus. Keep your focus on him. Facing difficulties doesn't mean your life isn't successful because success does not equal easy. Instead, success equals being like Jesus, being holy, bringing honor and glory to him. That's our purpose, it's our calling. You and I, we will find true success, true peace. We will find true joy when we live obediently and surrendered in every arena of our life. And we give it all to Jesus. And when we do that, we begin to experience the life that he designed for us.
Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, God, that you hold us in your hands. And God, to know that uh, true success is not about what we can acquire. It's not about a position. It's, it's not about having some massive power or influence over others. But it's humbly choosing to walk in obedience to you. It's humbly choosing your way over ours. God, I pray that you'd continue to mold us and shape us more and more into your image and your likeness so that one day we can hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We thank you and we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to leave you with a challenge. Sometime this week, would you just kind of peel back the onion a little bit of your heart and your life, look a little deeper. And here's the question I want you to ask of yourself. How do you see success? How do you see success? Is it a position, a job, a possession? I, I don't know. But would you be honest enough to look deep and say, how do I view success? And then let the Lord guide and speak into your life into that area and begin to plant a new perspective on success, a biblical, a God-honoring perspective of success, that you would live your life in such a way to fulfill your purpose, which is bringing glory and honor to him. Let God do that work in you so that all of us one day will stand before God. Isn't that crazy? We will. And to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Hey, thanks for being here today. Thank you for keep coming on back and, and continuing to follow after Jesus and doing that. You are making a difference for God's kingdom. So thanks for being here today. Go in the grace of God and have a great week.